Welcome to Yeah The Gals podcast, where I, Loz McGlynn, chat with epic everyday women who have paved their way to success in their space. We hope you feel inspired, motivated, and ready to listen to some honest and open conversations. Because gals, you bloody got these. All right, gals, we are back for part two of our infertility chat. This is where my beautiful gal pal T shares her experience and she is super open. She shares how complications with her health and reproductive system actually started well before her and her husband Glenn were planning to start a family and despite her doing absolutely everything she could to look after herself, it has resulted in her still going down a path that she did not foresee. T wears her heart on her sleeve, and although where she's at right now is still really raw, she was so beautifully open and vulnerable. One thing that we both really agree on is that we want to normalise infertility or the fact that it's just not as easy as some people make it out to be. And we really just want to make it a little bit more easier for other people to talk about. T, I am so proud of you. I love you. And I thank you for coming on to have this chat with me. Well, let's turn over to you. Oh, here we go, love. (laughs) For you, it's been a little bit different because you've obviously had your own experience with your reproduction. How would you say it? You were experiencing issues before even Glenn decided to do this. So what, as a teenager and even up to that? Yeah, so pretty much I'd say... 2015 issues started to occur. It was pretty much when we were in Europe, actually. So far from home. I remember this. Yeah. 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 I was experiencing a UTI every month. Yeah. And it was always around my period. It was painful. It was horrible. I had to go on antibiotics every month. I tried to see doctors over there. I had blood tests. And that's actually very hard when you do not speak the language. Yeah, bloody hell. Because you guys were in Spain. Yeah, we were in Spain. So it's it was super difficult. Yeah. And all these weird antibiotics, I couldn't read the packet. You know, they put me on special diets. My bowels weren't great either. So it was just a whole plethora of issues that kept occurring. And we thought it was the diet over there. We thought it was the water. I did get a... Um, a parasite? Yeah, parasite. That's the word. Mm. Ended up clearing that out. It was a journey. Uh, we were over there for eight months <laughs> and it really triggered a lot of issues. That was the start of everything. So after that, I came home, I saw a urologist because I was still having issues with my bladder and UTIs and sometimes they can be debilitating. Okay, um, so what was that pain like for you? It was horrible. I think it was more a lot to do with psychological as well yeah. because my period would come or I'd have one simple symptom and I would just freak out and go, oh no, I've got a UTI. But the nausea, the pain, the burning, it was just so many things that would come into play. I came home and went and saw a urologist. He booked in a cystoscopy for November, I think I had one. What's a cystoscopy? So it's where they go into the bladder yeah. and they actually have a look around through the urethra and see if there's any issues. Came back pretty much clear that he said there was some inflammation, but nothing that would 
the would be causing an issue. So from then on, it was just a waiting game type thing. From before I went to Europe, I was on the pill for yeah. 10, 12 years. Yeah, same. I look back now and I just think, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. You know, but you're, you're sexually to. active. You're told to. This is what's going to protect you. And hindsight's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think if I knew better, I definitely wouldn't have put my body through mm-hmm. that now. I don't know, but I feel like it has caused some of these issues or they were there and they were just masked for 10, yeah. 12 years and I didn't know. I remember when I was like, I told mum I was sexually active and yeah. she was like, let's get you on the pill. Yeah, same. You don't understand the weight of the medication that you're no, taking. No, not at the all. The times I would skip a period yeah. because I just didn't feel like having it that much. I mean, I would skip multiple periods a yeah. month, like a, month <laughs> a year. It would just be an ongoing process. Oh, I'll just skip it. Oh, yeah. just skip it. I don't know. Is it that we're just talking about it more, that their infertility is becoming more spoken about, or are we genuinely seeing problems yeah. with women? I don't know. We're obviously immersed I by it. So. But yeah, yeah, I, I spoke to my sister about this as well because she also has a few issues. She has three kids, obviously, but yeah. still has issues. She, We just say like she was on the pill as well, so was I, and it's just... We think it has something to do with that. Yeah. Not scientific minds here, but yeah. um, yeah, it's it's just crazy to think about. Very interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I had a lot of bowel pain during my period. At some points, I'd be keeled over on the toilet. Yeah. I would have a lot of bleeding from my bowel, and at one point, I didn't know where the hell the blood was coming from. Yeah. So I had to check, and I clearly remember being at home, and there was so much blood in the bowl that. I had to call the nurse's assistant line to check that I wasn't dying. So had all that and I think I just put up with it for a while. We used to joke as well. You were a gassy person, like nursing yes. and stuff. And we used to just make fun of you yeah. for it. Like, yeah. in the, I used to like kindly, yeah. like, oh, that's just yeah, Tamara, like me. comes with the personality. Yeah. And then obviously the bleeding, the pain, I knew wasn't normal and my sister had been diagnosed with endometriosis previously and mum has had also a lot of gynecological issues as well with cysts and ectopic pregnancies and things. I knew that something was a coming. Then went and saw a specialist. She decided to do a laparoscopy, found stage four endo. The endo was also adhered to my bowel from my uterus. so They were stuck together. So she when did a hysterotomy. Surgery? surgery was 2020. It was October 2020. We got engaged in January 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I had that and obviously that was great news. She removed it all, excised it, which is the gold standard for endometriosis. And I think getting that diagnosis was relief because I had answers. I yeah. now knew what was going on and I could just get on with my life. And after that, Life was fantastic. It was pain-free. It was symptom-free. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I'd gone five years battling through yeah. crap for every month, quite literally. So that all happened. And then obviously we were supposed to get married in 2021. Yeah. 20, yeah, 2021. Yeah. So planned to get married 2021. And then we actually had four date changes within like mm-hmm. the first month of actually booking the wedding uh, because of lots of different issues. And then had to postpone it again because of COVID. So I ended up getting married in April of 2022, which was amazing. Last year. Yes, last year. I can't believe it. And then we obviously, as we've spoken about, the questions start rolling in. Hey, when are you having a baby? What's going on? Have you, and did you and Glenn talk about it? 
We did. Yeah. We spoke about it and said, once we're married, we will start. Yeah. I was obviously at a point in my career as well. We'd been in Europe. I put my degree on hold to go over and travel and be with Glenn with his motorbike racing. I then came back, finished my degree. So I was late to the party in terms of when my cohort had finished the university degree and were yeah. teaching. I graduated in 2018, finished then, started teaching. And I always said to myself that I wanted to set myself up first. And I said, I want to be settled in a job and have that certainty around maternity leave, stability, yeah. constant income. So I didn't have to have that stress or anxiety around not knowing. Yeah. I made sure that I had a permanent job. Yeah. If anyone's in the teaching world, that is bloody hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, no matter how much hard, hard work you do, it just, it sometimes doesn't happen. Yeah. But I got lucky. I'm at a good school now, which I love. And you went from high school to primary school. I went from well. high school to primary school and I love it. Yeah. I always said I could just never do it. I couldn't do the little kids, but I couldn't be happier. Yeah. It's the best. I don't think I'll go back to high school now. Some of the so stuff much you fun. tell me oh. the little kids, but it just must be so oh. low key entertaining. It's so well. entertaining and it just melts your heart. Some it's of the things so they easy. say, they're so innocent yeah. and just beautiful and they just love it. They just yeah. love it. Yeah. Which is amazing. So yeah, I got the full-time job. And then we started trying. Yeah. So after the wedding, we were like trying but not trying. Isn't yeah. Isn't funny saying? Isn't it so true? We'll just like, see what happens. We'll just see what happens. Yes. Yeah. Because I knew we were coming up to the two-year mark of the laparoscopy. They do say two and a half to three years is when they can start to grow back. Oh. It does. In the back of my head, like we need to get started yeah. because I may have issues. But I always thought and told myself that I wouldn't, that I would be okay and that I would able to fall pregnant yeah so we started trying and it got to December of last year 2022 yeah and I just knew that something was wrong yeah so went back to my specialist and I think she could tell she was just like yeah we'll do a laparoscopy it was not hey this is where I think what I think we should do it was like I want a laparoscopy yeah I think she could tell the angst from me that I just knew that something was wrong. So we did the laparoscopy and that was probably one of the hardest days, one of at least, that I've had. After that, she came in the next day and I still remember her words so clearly. And she said that, I'm really disappointed, but your tubes are blocked. And I just melted. I melted into the bed. I just, I wasn't expecting that. I was just expecting her to say, yep, we've found some endo. We'll clear it out. You're good to go. See you in another three years if you've got any issues. And it was just so matter of fact. Obviously, that's her job. She needs to just come in and tell you this is what it is and this is what we're going to do. But I think she knew that I wasn't going to be in the right headspace. So she just said, come back in two weeks and we'll discuss the plan of attack. I remember the nurse coming back in who was with her and she just said, it'll be okay. There are ways around it. It'll be fine. And then another nurse came in and she slid a message onto my bed and she was like, he's an IVF specialist. And I just lost it again. I obviously called Glenn straight away and 
So he was there. there. No, he was still at home working, coming to pick me up. And I just bawled. Essentially, her saying that is pretty much her telling you that you're not going to be able to fall pregnant naturally. In other words, yeah. Yeah. From then, I just knew that it was going to be a hard road. Yeah. But I still held hope. Yeah. I still held so much hope and I just told myself that, no, this is not it. Like, we will be able to do this. It was just such a funny feeling. Like, I knew that I had to get a second opinion. Yeah. Opinion. I wasn't satisfied with what she had told me. And I don't know if that's just intuition. I just thought something's not right here. Like, I just don't feel okay. Because she did your surgery, your first surgery. Yeah, she did both. Did you feel like your opinion of her changed because of the lack of empathy that she had for your situation? Definitely. Yeah. 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 You're brought up to think that you are put on this earth for one reason. Like, this is what our bodies are here for as women. You are told that you will have a baby. Yeah. You'll be able to carry a baby. And for someone to tell you that that is not possible is soul crushing. Yeah. So... Yeah, that was really hard. Yeah. And I saw her two weeks after and she's held out hope. And we got Glenn to do a semen analysis and his was all fine, which is good. And he was more than happy to do that. And she then put us on Letrozole for three months and said, we'll do this for three months. And then if that doesn't work, come back and see me. Then we'll so did the she say after the surgery, like they, they were like, yeah, you're two tubes are blocked. Yeah. But they can say that it's like, can be spasming from the surgery yes. as well. So, so she know? said, because of the endo, she said it's more than likely endo, uh, endometriosis scar tissue that has found its way into the tubes and they just block it. And there's physically no way of unblocking them. They just cannot, can't go it's in too there. Risky. Too risky. And she also said there is a minor issue that also it could be spasming from when you're under. Your organs don't know what to do so if they're poking and prodding around they can spasm up yeah so that can also be a factor but because we've been trying for a while I just didn't take that as an answer yeah so yeah tried the letrozole for three months that didn't work and how did your body react to that I hated it yeah I hated it did you have side effects yeah the nausea the just the feeling like the emotions yeah loss of appetite it was just, it was horrible. Yeah. The bloating, I just can't even explain yeah. the bloating. It was horrible. Bloody bloating, man. So I did the letrozole and during that time, she also suggested acupuncture. Yeah. And I knew you had done ac- acupuncture. Yeah. And for me, acupuncture doesn't sound like a great idea. Yeah, we might just stipulate oh, here. <laughs> T has a needle phobia. Yeah, it's quite horrendous. Like a legit needle phobia, like high school I still remember being in year seven. I don't think we even really knew each other, but <laughs> no. I knew. He's we were hyperventilating into a bag. Literally <laughs> would get strapped down on a gym mat yeah. to get her injections in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know where it came from, to be honest. Isn't it funny? Has it gotten better though? It has now. It has to. <laughs> it has to. I've just had to just do it. Deal with it. Yeah. You're getting hypnotized or something. Yeah. Mum has suggested that after everything I think of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And how did you find the acupuncture? Loved it. It was such a godsend. Zoe is amazing. Yeah. She's also low-key counsellor. Yeah. Not that's her job title. No, we were but <laughs> I interviewed Zoe. Yeah. Literally, that's what I spoke about. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's just so warm and soft and gentle. 
she's just an incredible human being. I just put the needles out of sight, out of mind. I didn't look. I just laid down. And because I hadn't done it before, I just was like, I don't know what to expect. Yeah. I'm just going to lie here and whatever happens, happens. And yeah, she just, not she did, I did. I were vomited and got everything out and I was seeing her on weekly. The acupuncture obviously worked with your cycle. I think it was just a bit of comfort. Yeah. And... I think, it didn't control, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you and Gleno fully did a whole bunch of holistic stuff. Like you guys yeah. changed your diet. Yeah. What are some yeah. of the things that you did? So we changed our diet. I did a lot of research into toxins and things. Mm. So I changed my deodorant, my toothpaste. And I know that you can't, I can't physically erase every toxin. No. It's impossible. And I'm not going to try to, but. I just did the small things like toothpaste. Those toxins are going into your mouth. So it's going to get absorbed straight into your bloodstream and your body. You deodorant, you're putting that on every day. Yeah. Laundry, wash, dishwashing. So all those kinds of little things. You know, we did all the vitamins, the prenatals. You, what's kind the of things. Bit, your cold shower as well? Oh, the cold shower. Yeah. So we're doing that for, Glenn still does them sometimes now, but look, in winter on the mountain, it's not it's that pleasant. out there. Bloody hell. <laughs> It's a balmy minus five. I know, just a little <laughs> bit. Um, so yeah, we were doing those daily and they were really good. I think they were good for more your mental capacity mm-hmm. and your mindset. Yeah. What yeah. did they say is the benefit of doing that? Asking yeah. For a friend. Just your mindset. Yeah. Okay. The resilience, like the resilience you build around it. So for me, I think it was just something that I felt, again, taking control. Yeah. And... I did feel the benefits. Yeah. It was good. It was fresh. Yeah, fresh. Fresh. And it allowed you to, I guess, go into a space where you felt alive. We had a here yesterday that Maz and Maddie did an ice bath. Oh, yep. You do it for the content. Yep. And the benefits that they talk about, yeah. ice baths and that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Your mindset is so important. Yep. And it's hard because sometimes, especially during something like this, you don't know how you're going to feel. That's right. So to help at least do something about it. Yep. And then, so yeah, I did the acupuncture and I'm still doing that now, which I love. Gosh, what did I do after that? Actually, from the acupuncture, she then suggested for me to get some blood tests just to do a full body check because obviously we were trying to fall pregnant. Zoe did. Yeah, so Zoe did. And I... Thank her so much for that because, one, my specialist didn't do that. And I still think to this day, why did you not order blood tests? Would that not be the first thing you do for a laparoscopy? Yeah. And when you told me this, I was so mind blown because that's like standard practice. I don't understand. I just didn't even think about it. So generally, yeah, like for me, before we even went down IVF, it was Mm. like, AMH levels, they measured for celiac, for inconsistency. There was like a million and one blood tests that they did. You didn't do anything? No, I hadn't actually been to a GP in regards to trying to fall pregnant. Yes, that's probably why. I think because I just knew I had endo, so I was like... It's endo. Yeah. And I just got a referral from a telehealth consult. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't have any blood tests from the laparoscopy. So then Zoe got some blood tests, which was great. That came back with an elevated prolactin level, which is a hormone that is secreted once you start breastfeeding. So it's usually really high in people that are pregnant or breastfeeding. Um, But if you're not 
pregnant or breastfeeding can be really dangerous and it could signify a brain tumor in your pituitary gland. So I got a call from the doctor and I was at school and she said, you've got your blood test back. You know, it is a little bit alarming. She said that it is elevated prolactin. And I obviously asked what was that? I had no idea what that was. She explained what the hormone did and where it was. And then she said, look, this can be caused by a brain tumor in your pituitary gland. And obviously hearing that, I was just like, what the hell? So she just delivered that news and said, look, we will try and sort it out. I'll get you into the specialist. We'll look at an endocrinologist, which is a hormone specialist. And I just got off the phone and absolutely broke down. I pretty much ran out of work. <laughs> and Glenn was away at the time. It's just not the news you're expecting to get. No. On the phone either. No, definitely not. Ran out of work, went to mum's. Obviously, it was inconsolable there. I was actually flying to... Queensland that night to meet Glenn and his family up with his grandma and went up to him and just broke down to him as well. He was so good. He was just like, we'll get it sorted. His brother knew a doctor. So we got in contact with him and he literally just got into gear and did anything he could for us, which we are so grateful for because I don't think we would be here now without him. He booked me an MRI to get all that checked. He also got me on to a second gynecologist to get a second opinion. And so I got the MRI and that was all clear, thank God. I had follow-up blood tests and the prolactin had dropped. It was still high, but it had dropped, which was good. So they weren't, they weren't worried anymore, which was great. Went and saw the second gynecologist, which was a male. So I had the first one I had was a female and this one was a male. So it was a little bit different, but he was good. Again, very matter of fact, but I was by myself, which I regret to this day. Glenn was away as well. So it was obviously hard to go with someone. I went in there and told him all my issues and history and things like that. And he spoke about everything. And then he just said, from everything you've told me, IVF is your only option. And that for me was heartbreaking because I still, at one point I knew that we may have issues, but I still held out hope that I would be okay. So that was, yeah, it was gut-wrenching, yeah, heartbreaking. Is it because, Um, as you were saying before, we are conditioned to be told that that is a part of being a woman and yeah. having a baby, yeah. so not being able to do yeah. that naturally. And I think it's the romantic part of falling pregnant, yeah. having that surprise element, yeah. having that test and going, holy shit, I'm pregnant. That's all just ripped away from you. Yeah, You're not afforded that anymore. Yeah. It's all, although some of it is in your control, you're not given that option. It's give, It's like you're in control, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. 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 And it's like systematic, it's yeah. a process, it's yeah. not. And people are telling you now, it's not you finding out. It's yeah. a surprise. Yes, that phone call at the end of the IVF cycle is either yes or a no, but it's a trying for the month and then you're taking the pregnancy test and getting excited. I still remember when I was away in Queensland with my, one of my girlfriends and I had all the symptoms of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I had thesaurus boobs, I had... Usually when my period's coming for the week before, my mood is horrible. I'm 
absolutely down in the dumps. And I wasn't feeling like that. I was feeling light. I was feeling amazing. And I was so convinced that I was pregnant. Yeah. And I remember riding down the street in Queensland and I said to her, I was like, I think I'm pregnant. I just felt it with every inch of my being. We were talking like, imagine this, imagine that. I came home and did a pregnancy test and it was negative. I've always been so in tune with my body. Yeah. And so intuitive of what it's doing and how it's working and what's actually happening that then when I knew, when I found out that I wasn't and I 120% thought I was, mm. that was hard too because I was like, I thought I knew my body. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, 100%. It's funny, I've not even thought about that for so long. Yeah. I remember that feeling of being mm. like, oh, this is never going to be a surprise. Yeah. I think I've just accepted that. Yeah. But it is. It's such a huge thing. Yeah. There was a couple of times, like, you've got your, like, flow. Yeah. Do you yeah, the flow eye. Yep, yep. And I would change it. I did it twice. Once when I was 100% convinced I was pregnant and yep. I would tell you the due date. Uh, and I would go from being the tracking yep. to you're pregnant and yep. it would say you're two weeks pregnant or whatever. And then the first time I we did the first round of IVF, I did the same thing. Yeah. And it's funny, you, do you reckon it's, like, phantom symptoms as well? Probably. You're, you just, you're just so convinced. And you're, you're looking your for brain. a reason. Yeah. You're looking yeah. for a reason. And I think too, I was so on top of the tracking that month. I then, after that, second guessed everything my body was doing. Were you ovulating at this, like at the standard time? Because it's like day, day. Yes, I was. Okay. And then I moved into later in the cycle. Yeah. And I don't know if that was because of stress or anything, but yeah. it just moved. <laughs> How so, long was that? Like whenabouts was that? Yeah, probably when I started with going the letrozole, to be honest. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was about day 14 to 16, and now it's about day 21. And still is now. Yeah. Can yeah. you tell when you're ovulating now? Yeah, I get lots of pain. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I just know. Man. And again, my mood changes. Yeah. How's Gleno been in this process? Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I can't fold him. Yeah. He's a ledge, man. He's a ledge. He's incredible. He's... Oh, Glen Coco Puff, mate. He's yeah. just... It is such an emotional and grueling process. As we said before, they just keep you on the straight and narrow. He is very matter of fact. Yeah. Which sometimes is hard. Yeah. Because I do just want someone or him just to say, it'll be okay. Yeah. And he does. They just do it in their own way. Yeah, they do it in their own way. And I love him for it. Yeah. He's just, I will get shit done. Yeah. When... I found out about the IVF. He was over in Spain for a work trip and I felt so alone. Yeah, don't. it was. And you just want him as well. He's yeah. the second half of this, so it's hard because yeah. everyone wants to be there for you and, like, I know that I want to be there for you, but I yeah. also know that we can only be there when you're ready. You need different things at different times. Yeah, definitely. But for him, he's the second half of this. That's it, Yeah, yeah. And he was a part, like, he's a part of it as well. Yeah. Do you reckon it's brought you guys closer in a way? Definitely. Yeah. 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 We're just so in tune with how each other's feeling. And yeah, he, and was, he was also grieving. And I guess, too, like, he found it hard because he was on the other side of the world. So he felt so helpless. Yeah. And couldn't do a thing. Like, he just couldn't do a thing until he got home. That week without him was hard. I remember we were on the phone and it was just, he had to go do some things. And... 
in that instant, the feelings and the emotions had completely washed over me. And I just remember being on my lounge and floor, just wailing, just in absolute hysterics. But yeah, mum was amazing. She came up obviously straight away. And yeah, so got to that bottom and it's good to let only go up from here. Yeah. (laughs) You were in the depths. I was in the depths. I really was. I think just everything leading up to it as well was such a roller coaster. Yeah. And I just kept holding out hope. And I would tell myself, it will happen. I will be able to do it. Yeah. So for someone to say, no, sorry, you can't. Yeah. That was really hard. You glad you got a second opinion though. So glad. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone is ever second guessing, not sure... 100 percent yeah get one and I was worried about how my other specialist would feel yeah isn't that so interesting it's funny like we were seeing a specialist and just because it was a referral for a sis that's how I ended up seeing him yeah the experience was awful yeah and I was relying on him so much and I would go to the appointments and I would have to remind him who I was and I'm going this is huge for us yeah and I lost all trust in him. Yeah, you would. Like a few weeks before our first round of IVF, he called me to go, hey, have you done your IVF round yet? I'm like, no, brother. Like, yeah. I'm doing it next week. Hello, this is huge. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just looking at these blood tests. It looks like you might be celiac. So you want to avoid some gluten in the lead up because that can lead to miscarriage. And he's what telling me this on the phone. I'm like, That's ridiculous. this is, yeah. yeah. And so we went to a different specialist and mm. I'm so glad that we did. Like, it is okay to get a second opinion. Yeah. yeah. Not just because they're specialists. It That's doesn't right. mean it's right. And yeah. and even as something like with how they deliver information yeah. and yeah. you're paying a lot of money and this is a life altering thing for you. I 100% agree with that. Comment. Yeah, definitely. And so where are we at now, Dals? So we are, we saw the fertility specialist. Glenn went and booked it straight away, yeah, which was amazing because I just didn't have the mental capacity. So yeah, got on the bandwagon, went and saw the fertility specialist who works with IVF. Yeah. So went and saw her. She pretty much said, yep, like, let's go. And yeah, now we're at a point where we're waiting for our nurse's appointment, which is like the lengthy couple of hour appointment yeah to get all the medications learn how to use the needles the accounts department learn about how much money we're actually going to fork out yeah <laughs> the old that chestnut is, that old chestnut yeah it's so good have they spoken because like when we did it there wasn't there's like a whole new rebate that's been introduced yeah which is amazing there yeah. are so many rebates now like even with your pre-ivf testing i did my amh levels when i was in 2020 sorry and there was no rebate then for that. Yeah. But now I've just had them redone and there is a rebate for that, which is awesome. Yeah. So there's pre-IVF screening testing rebates and then yeah. there's also IVF rebates. Yes. Yeah, which, look, in the scheme of things, isn't much. No. But it's something. Yeah, and for sure. that makes a difference. To me, it also goes, obviously, this is a prevalent issue. That's right. Yeah. What? Like, yeah. It's just crazy. And I think now that... We're also going through this, like Glenn is super open. So he will chat about it. He will talk to anyone yeah. and let them know this is, or if they ask, yay, yeah, this is what we're doing, which 
I think is great. Yeah. And so am I. I'm more leaning towards that now as well as I'm coming to terms with it and dealing with it mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Everyone has a story. Totally. If it's not about them, it's about one of their friends, their family members, or they know someone who has. It's just so prevalent. Yeah. That, And obviously, like you said, like the government recognises that. Yeah. And the more we talk about it, it will just open up doors, educate people. Yeah. Make people aware. I just, for people to understand that it is everyone's own personal journey. One thing that we really recognised is our journey to the journey. Our, yeah, our journey, like it's our journey. process to having to do IVF. Yeah. I've done it, probably doing it again. Yep. You're going to have to go, well, you're about to go through that. And it's funny how for you, the way you felt about it was quite different to how I initially felt. Yeah. I remember calling you, asking you how you felt. Yeah. And yeah, you said I was excited. Yeah. And I was okay with that. Yeah. Because that was you. But um, it, that's okay that you're not. Yeah. And I think it's because for you, you've been told that's your only choice. Yeah. And that's really hard. Yeah. Whereas for me, I actually don't know. Yeah, that's right. Yours is still unexplained. Mine's still... Still. (laughs) So crazy, man. Maybe one day. Maybe one day they'll tell us. But that's really common as well. Yeah. So it's really... Yeah, you would get an answer. Yeah. It's interesting. I felt really like, oh, we'd been doing it for so long that I just was over it. Yeah. You've actually had a bit... Like yours has been quite traumatic. You've yeah. pre yeah. conceiving issues. Yeah. And you've had to deal with a lot of internal yeah. changes and pain and stuff. Yeah. I think it. psychologically that definitely plays a role as well. It's tricky. Yeah. And seeking support. Yeah. Whether that's therapy or acupuncture yeah. or like whatever that looks like. Yeah. I know when I was on a break. I started going down like the Chinese medicine mm. path yep. in conjunction yeah. with trying to do IVF. I remember that. So I'd go and see this like dude yep. who... The herbs. Yeah, the herbs. He'd <laughs> read the energy on my body. He'd yep. be cupping. And I loved it, but he was so against doing IVF. But I'm like, I'm going to do this, but I'm also going to do IVF. Yeah. I think doing those things in conjunction, one, helps your mental state. Even if it's not physically doing anything, mentally... I think that's the best thing because you need that. You need to be across everything to be able to go into IVF okay. Yeah, for sure. When I was talking about like the whole self-sabotage thing, I'm like people fall pregnant on a one-night stand having a bender. Yeah, and that's what is funny because it was hard for Glenn to understand why it wasn't happening for us. Yeah. Because he was just like, "How how do people just fall pregnant? Just out of random. Yeah. Like they have sex once and then they're pregnant. Yeah. Whereas we're having sex bloody 20 times a week. Yeah. And he's just like, why? What's going on? Yeah. Why us? Yeah. We want this. We've decided this is what we want. We're ready. Yeah. And I was tracking. I was doing all the things and he was like, oh, I feel like maybe we just need to stop tracking because people just have sex once and they get pregnant. You're going to feel different about it every time. My mentality has changed this time around. I'm definitely a lot more open about it. Josh has also become a lot more open. Mm. People obviously were unsure what we were. They obviously knew we got married. They were like, they're obviously trying. But he didn't want to talk about it. And he doesn't talk openly. Towards the end there, I was like, no, I feel like I'm hiding something. Mm. And I remember I went to do a post on Instagram. I wrote everything that we'd gone through and like the highs and lows and 
not because I was looking for sympathy, but I was just like, I just want to let people know that it's okay that this is like not happening for us in the traditional way that we thought. Yeah. And I chose not to. And I don't know whether I regret that or not, but Mm -hmm. obviously we're here where we are now. Yeah. And since then I've been super open about being like, yeah, we, Ellie, like I, yeah, yeah, I'm a very banterish person when it comes to this sort of stuff. So it's funny. You just feel different at different times. You and I obviously follow Chloe Fisher really closely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just devastating, man, to see that and see. Comprehend. Yeah. And to do that on such a public platform and like what they've done, like. Yeah. Even us knowing that some days we feel one way and then some days we feel different. For her to do that publicly, it's amazing. Yeah. Because she's obviously gotten so much support, but then also people feel like they have a right to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But she's been awesome. Have you been listening to any podcasts about it? Infertility and Beyond. Oh, yeah. Podcast. And also Knocked Up, which is by Melbourne Health yes. Institute. Which I've is listened to that. Yeah, which is super informative. Yeah, I was so oblivious to anything because I didn't know anyone that was going through it. Yeah, no. I knew nothing. There's one that Lee Campbell did as well, yeah. Mamma Mia, and I followed hers. She actually fell pregnant off Letrozole. Yeah, wow. So she did two or three rounds of IVF. Haven't heard that yet. Yeah, and then she did <laughs> Letrozole yeah. and fell pregnant and she was just like blown away. I joined actually a lot of Facebook groups yeah. that I very quickly left. Yeah, I haven't joined any of those because I think I remember you saying that it was... Yeah. Yeah. It was way too much for me. There was the highs and the lows. There was. It's just confronting. Yeah. I think you're putting so much pressure on yourself to start with. Yeah. The whole thing is pressure. So you haven't got your meds yet? Haven't got the meds yet. How are we feeling about the needles? Hadn't really thought about them yet. Yeah. I think it would be quite confronting when I do get them, knowing that's what I'll have to do. Yeah. I am, yeah, a little bit apprehensive about that, but I know that that's what I have to do. Yeah. So I think Glenna will be administering those for the first couple Might of Might pop a couple least. of bruises along <laughs> the way. Definitely get the ice ready. Yeah. You uh, you have you might have a few bruises from your needles, but he'll have a few bruises from yeah, him just as so much. <laughs> You're like, you are like a bloody, like a banshee. I know. You turn However, into a different person. Now that I've been poked, prodded multiple times within the last three months, I can actually go get a blood test by myself. Yeah, hectic. Let them know. And then they're a li- little bit more uh, <laughs> sympathetic, yeah. sympathetic to my situation. And yeah, I just talked myself into it now. Yeah. Gosh, how about it? So the next time we catch up, we might have to do an update episode down the track. Yep. No pressure. Here for it. Yep. Thank you for being so open to coming on for this doll. Thank you for having me. Oh, we were great. We were fully like unsure at what point to have this conversation. Yeah. But there's never a good time. No. There's always going to be something. Yeah. And as you said, like, you wanted to share something and I have too. Yeah. But I haven't known how to. And I think it it is just to make people aware, not of my own situation, but of everyone's situation, yeah. that there is someone is always going through something. Yeah. And just be kind. Yeah. And... For women, especially within their late 20s, 30s, mid 30s, like it is such a touchy subject. Yeah. It is so touchy. Yeah. Like you're ultimately, if you can't do something that you've been brought up understanding that you would, 
it's grief. Yeah. Like, I'm grieving. Yeah. My body can't, cannot do. Yeah. So yeah, just be kind. Yeah. And just let people come to you. Yeah. And tell their story. And if they want to tell you, they will. Yeah. They will tell you. Especially if people are genuine about it. If they're just like, hey. Yeah. Here if you need anything. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And look, I've made the mistake. Like we do. And we're conditioned to do this, right? Like I know I've made the mistake of, I do it. Like when people get married or I know I wasn't going to have kids. Yeah. Yeah. And we just need to change that a bit. Yeah. Change. And I'm saying that to myself. Yeah. I know that I need to not do that. So do I. And yeah. I know. Isn't it so funny? Like we fully have gone through it. For us as women. We have so, like that 10-year period, I've spoken to Abby about this, yeah. um, womankind therapy, but in our 20s and 30s, it's just this pressure cooker of trying to have everything yep. sorted. Yeah. And it's because you have that biological clock. Chart, clock. Yeah. And yep. we've got friends that are like looking, they're approaching their mid-30s, like getting towards that and going, okay, we need to think about this. Yeah. I've had colleagues of mine that have not found a partner and decided to try and do it by themselves yeah. later in life and then that's not been their that's not been their narrative like they haven't been able to do that and yeah that's it's tough it's so tough it's tough I think all that to say be kind yeah and be kind to yourselves totally a hundred percent it is harder it's easy to say but harder to do yeah and I probably need to take my own advice totally <laughs> Because I felt like I was letting people down. I felt like I was letting my parents down, my in-laws down. They wanted grad kids Mm. and I felt like I owed it to them. Like I, and I felt like I was failing. Yeah. I felt like it is. It had nothing to do with Josh. 100% you feel like you're a failure. Yeah. And it's on you. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. Anyway. Whole thing to unpack, isn't it? Yeah. I know. (laughs) Sips tea. Yeah. But I love you tea, gal. I love you so much. And we're just going to roll through this. We're going to ride it and roll it. Aren't we? We're going to inject it. We are. (laughs) Bloody hell. No matter how long it takes. I look forward to us catching up about this in the future. Yes. And hopefully with good news for both of us. Just even just an update. Yep. We're in for a bumpy, bruisey ride. Hormonal ride. Hormonal. Hello, everyone. Yeah, watch my path, mate. (laughs) But yeah, and thank you again for being here, doll. No, thank you. I love it. Love you. Love you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Yeah the Gals. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe or follow us on Instagram at Yeah the Gals Podcast. And remember, gals, you bloody got this.